Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or at the cock crow or at dawn. Keep awake. My friends, with your prayers and the Holy Spirit's power, I'm going to preach this morning from the topic, Stay Woke. Stay Woke. Eighty-five years ago, last month, this church, the Memorial Church, was dedicated as a war memorial. It was dedicated to honor the, those of Harvard who gave their lives in the Great War, the war to end all wars, it was said. 85 years ago, last month. But then 85 years ago, next month, in January of 1933, the world took a dark and dramatic turn. This is the year that the full populist Nazi party trampled its way to power. The reasons are many. There was German resentment for following Germany's defeat in World War I. Many longed for a strong leader who could help restore the nation to its prior glory. There was economic anxiety for many so-called pro-Germans exploited the depression and blamed it on internationalism in general and the Treaty of Versailles in particular. And there was heightened racism and xenophobia. For if only the real Germans the so-called Aryan race, could reclaim their rightful place in German society, then they could make Germany great again. No longer would the League of Nations bully Germany into submission. The douche folk were tired of what they considered to be feckless and effeminate leaders. The people, the true Germans, were fed up with what they perceived as a soft and conciliatory leadership class. They needed vicar. They needed a forceful leader, one who could establish law by decree and power by pronouncement. They needed a strong man, someone who exuded authority and didn't apologize for his race pride. They needed a fearless Fuhrer. And they found him in the person of Adolf Hitler. Within weeks of becoming chancellor, 
Adolf Hitler went off and went about his unification and synchronization campaign. Hitler first attacked the media. He blasted the media as untrustworthy. And in his words, the media was controlled by the quote unquote Jewish elite. Hitler purged the government. His restoration of the civil service bill decreed that all government employees must be of Aryan stock. And Hitler attacked the academy. As a matter of fact, that spring, the German Student Association led the Actions Against the Un-German Spirit campaign. This was a rally at the University of Berlin and other campuses, and students there held a bonfire. And a wide range of authors went up in smoke. Helen Keller, Jack London, Albert Einstein, they were burned to ashes because we need to get back to reading real German authors. This act led the Jewish turned Lutheran poet Heinrich Hein to make a chilling yet prescient pronouncement. Hein declared then, where books are burned, they will ultimately burn people. So after going after the media, after going after the civil service, after going after the academy, there was one final place for Adolf Hitler to turn his attention. He went after the church. The Fuhrer principle decreed that all Jews and even those of Jewish descent that had converted to Christianity, they should be expelled from communication. Church leaders sympathetic to the Nazi movement helped to establish the German Christian church. And in an odd twist of theological irony, they referred to themselves as the positive Christian movement. Oh, not all Christian leaders agreed with Hitler about everything, but many, they liked his commitment to law and order. Some Christian leaders thought the man was a little excessive and eccentric, but they desired a strong national church, and they believed that Hitler would support them. So they cynically believed that aligning with the Nazis was the best way to attain this goal. And then they were there. They were those naive Christian leaders who believed that if the church's prestige was restored by aligning with government power, then they could have a positive influence on the Fuhrer. They could have a positive Christian influence on Adolf Hitler. If we can just get close, we can then have his ear. Oh, but I hear the prophet saying, Woe unto those who are willing to compromise their principles to get close to power. Woe to those who are willing to concede to injustice in the name of perceived safety 
and security. And woe unto those who are willing to fall asleep and remain asleep while the nightmare of injustice is on the rise. My brothers and sisters, I offer this scene in this particular historical setting to frame today's scripture lesson. The scripture lesson found in the Gospel of Mark. The late New Testament scholar Dale Schmidt referred to the book of Mark as the wartime gospel. Believed to be the original gospel, the writer penned it around the time of the Jewish war of revolt against Rome. Right around 70 common era. For it was in the decades, the three decades following Jesus' crucifixions, that hostility is escalated between the Roman Empire and Jewish Palestine. Rome selected harsh governors for the region. Rome began to desecrate Jerusalem and the temple with Roman iconography. Civil unrest ensued. Jewish rebellion led to Roman reprisals. Rome seized the city of Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple and they executed up to 5,000 Judeans. And it's here in the 13th chapter of Mark that we read for your hearing today where the writer captures this destruction by having Jesus narrate these tragic events. Oh, go home in your free time. Start at the beginning of the chapter. And Jesus there predicts the destruction of the temple. Do you see these buildings? Not one stone will be left. All will be torn down. Then Jesus encourages his disciples to remain calm, though. For you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. Don't fret, for these are just the birth pains that will usher in a new age. And then just when it appears that it's at its darkest, the Son of Man will return with all glory to restore justice and righteousness. This is why you have to stand and watch. Don't you fall asleep, for you don't know the day or the hour that peace and justice will return, but its return is predicated on your vigilance. Jesus, Jesus through the writer here is giving us a history of social protest. Oh, he's saying the history of the world teaches whenever there is a progressive, productive movement of protest, what do you have to do? First of all, you got to stay calm in the face of violent resistance. Stay clear-headed when attacks come your way. Be prepared to stay committed to the cause of justice when injustice and persecution appear ubiquitous. Great change always comes with great cost. Negative resistance defines the history of positive progress. Oh, I can hear the voice of Frederick Douglass. I can hear the voice of Frederick Douglass saying, if there is no struggle, there is no progress. I can hear the voice of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. 
saying human progress is neither automatic nor inevitable. For every step toward the goal of justice requires sacrifice, struggle, and suffering. And I can hear the voice of Shirley Chisholm saying you don't make progress by standing on the sidelines whimpering and complaining. You make progress by implementing ideals. Hence, Jesus tells his disciples, beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey, Jesus says. When he leaves home and he puts his servants in charge, and he puts them in charge, each one has their own work to do. And then he commands the doorkeeper, be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you don't know when the master of the house is going to return. Be alert. Be diligent. Be diligent with your work. And most importantly, as the young people say, stay woke. To stay woke is to stay alert particularly during times of turmoil. To stay woke is to stay informed, particularly when the popular media only feeds us either liberal or conservative talking points. And to stay woke is to take responsibility, knowing that positive change lies in the power of our hands. Jesus tells his disciples in the face of heartbreak and seeming defeat, stay woke, be alert, be informed, take responsibility. And I'm just here to say this morning, this may be what God is telling us today. In this season of Advent, in this season of waiting and preparation, you and I must stay woke. We must use our intellect and our moral imaginations to envision and pursue a better world. The late Austrian psychologist and Holocaust survivor, Viktor Frankl, Viktor Frankl in his book, In the Search of Meaning, he put it quite eloquently. In our search, we often ask the question, what should we expect from life? But this is the wrong question. Frankel says we ought to ask each moment, what does life expect from us? For each day and each hour, life poses questions in the forms of ethical challenges. And we can't slumber, we can't sleep, we can't hit the snooze button. For me, we must wake up and embrace the exam that life has put before us. We can bear our unique and our collective burden with Herculean strength. We can face life's difficult challenges with moral courage. It doesn't matter how dark the day or how dismal the night. We find life's meaning, life's purpose, and our resolve in God's call to fight for justice and stand up for righteousness. In the words of Friedrich Nietzsche, she who has a why to live 
she who has a why to live for can bear with almost any how. This, this is why we must first wake up our moral imaginations. For our ability to dream and envision will serve as our North Star for ethical action. Envision a world, people. Let's envision a world. Let's envision a world where we view charity as an insufficient form of trickle-down pity. This will inspire us to fight for a world that distributes material resources broadly and widely. A world where no sick person goes untreated, no hungry child unfed, and no able-bodied person will be under or unemployed. Envision, envision a world where all women and men, whether in rural Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, or Palestine, whether in New Mexico, North Korea, or Nigeria, can learn eagerly, love safely, worship freely, live peaceably, work productively, earn adequately, and thus prosper intentionally. Envision, wake up and envision a world defined by random acts of kindness, senseless compassion, unbridled cooperation, indiscriminate education, and loving legislation. Envision, oh, envision a world where teachers' unions have more clout on Capitol Hill than the NRA. Working families have more influence over lawmakers than corporations. And quality public education is just as accessible as state-of-the-art prisons. Envision, wake up to dream. Wake up to design air castles furnished with hopes and aspirations of a more just future. We are, my friends, we are what we aspire to be. This is why, this is why the tragedy of life, it's not in our failures. Failure is a prerequisite for any success. For the real tragedy of life is found in our complacency. It's not trying to do too much, but rather it's trying to do too little. Not living above our ability or our means, but it's living below our capacity. Will we face difficult moments? Yes. Will we make mistakes in our well-doing? Absolutely. Will friends and loved ones question our judgment and try to get you to just go along and get along? Absolutely. But I'm here to say this morning, citing the words in Mark, don't let anyone lull you back to sleep with the soothing lullabies of conformity. Words of the great preacher and educator, Benjamin Elijah Mays. I would rather go to hell by choice than stumble into heaven following the crowd. Be alert. Be informed. 
be responsible. And damn it, stay woke.